The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hello. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. We've learned that diseases progress slowly and can be detected long before the doctor's test indicate there's a problem. We've learned that medical practice can be decades behind the published research. This is a gap I hope we fill with this show. We've learned about many toxins in our food, hygiene products, and even a tube of toothpaste can be lethal. We've learned from Dr. Campbell that the Canadians will not accept some of our cheeses. Europeans will not accept some of our meats because of the poor quality in what we feed our animals. And Dave Asprey told us that the Japanese send all their moldy, toxic coffee to the U.S. What is even, <coughs> excuse me, what is even more disturbing is why our Congress supported the Dark Act and wanted us to eat toxic, genetically modified foods, denying us the right to know about it. I don't know about you, but I wonder why our food is so toxic that other countries won't accept it. To continue this theme, I would like to introduce you to my college roommate, Stephanie Seneff. We live together in a creaky Cambridge apartment. I recall we were both interested in boys, and I don't know which of us was least interested in cleaning. I think I'd take that award. Can you imagine what a combination that was? Dr. Stephanie Seneff is a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory in Cambridge, Massachusetts in the U.S. She has a Bachelor of Science degree from MIT in biology and a Ph.D. from MIT in electrical engineering and computer science. She's published over 200 peer-reviewed papers in scientific journals and conference proceedings. Her latest interests have focused on the role of toxic chemicals and micronutrient deficiencies in health and disease, with a special emphasis on the pervasive herbicide Roundup and the mineral sulfur. As you recall, Raymond Francis told us that the only impediments to our healing is not getting sufficient nutrients and the toxins we are finding so readily in our environment. Stephanie has authored over two dozen peer-reviewed journal papers over the past few years on these topics and has delivered numerous slide presentations around the world. Welcome, Stephanie. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Delighted to be here. Thank you. I don't suppose the news you're going to give us about our food supply is going to get any better. Definitely not. <laughs> so what do you think about our food supply? What is the problem? I think the biggest problem is glyphosate. Glyphosate is Roundup, and Roundup is all over our food supply. How does it get there? 
Uh, well, first of all, it was the GMO Roundup Ready crops, which they introduced in the late 1990s. And they were supposed to reduce the use of herbicide on the crops, but actually they did the opposite. And the glyphosate use on those crops grew exponentially over the next two decades. On top of that, they've become more and more enchanted lately with spraying crops with glyphosate right before the harvest that are not GMO crops. And this includes, so the GMO crops are the corn, the soy, the canola, the sugar beets, alfalfa, uh, tobacco, and cotton. And so those, many of those are core foods of the process, you know, core sources of the processed food industry, like soy and corn and, and canola oil. So those are all going to be contaminated. And then you have the crops that are sprayed right before harvest, and that includes wheat and sugar cane. So the sugars are all going to be bad. You know, high fructose corn syrup comes from corn. And then you've got the sugar beets and the sugar cane. All of them are going to be contaminated with glyphosate. I think that's the reason why sugar is so toxic. We hear a lot about how sugar is not good for you. I think it's the glyphosate and the sugar that's making it bad. But you have the wheat, and we have all these problems with gluten intolerance today. That is directly related to the glyphosate in the wheat. And products have tested high in glyphosate that, you know, are fed to children all the time, like Oreo cookies and um, the uh, goldfish crackers. Cheerios, I mean, these are things kids eat, loaded with glyphosate. And then surprising things like uh, chickpeas. And so when people start going, you know, gluten-free, then they start switching to these other flours that often are even higher in, in glyphosate contamination than the gluten-containing flour uh, foods. So, you know, peanuts and uh, chickpeas and, and uh, you know, hummus, for example, tests very high in glyphosate. I was very surprised by this. There's a Canadian... Um, activist named Tony Mitra, who's been who's managed to get a whole bunch of data from Canada of different contaminations in different foods, and he's been compiling those data and finding some very interesting things. Because I would really like to know exactly which foods to avoid. Also, milk, by the way, because glyphosate the cows get tons of glyphosate in their feed, and they push it out into their milk. So uh, this is why we have casein intolerance. So, I mean, all of these allergies that we have: peanut allergies, casein allergies, gluten intolerance. Soy allergies. These are all connected to glyphosate. Wow. Um, I've heard from other experts that say that you know even gluten without the glyphosate um, is a problem because we don't have the enzymes, and even milk without glyphosate uh, is a problem because we don't have the enzymes. But I'm hearing that glyphosate will certainly make any of these conditions much worse. And glyphosate will mess up the enzymes. I mean, that's what we're finding. It Glyphosate suppresses the enzymes that break those products down. So that's why we're getting a lot of... Glyphosate does two things to the gut, many things to the gut, but two of that are particularly problematic, which is disrupting the enzymes that break down the proteins and causing a leaky gut. That is deadly because these undigested proteins get out into the mainstream, you know, the blood and the lymph, and then the immune system gets upset because it reacts to these wayward proteins that are not, not, not self-proteins. And that's just exactly. how you get autoimmune disease because the, uh, it's very interesting through molecular mimicry. You find that an uh, immune cell becomes specifically able to recognize a foreign protein like gluten, but it happens to be that a certain peptide sequence within that gluten matches quite well with a peptide sequence within some protein that's really important for us, our own proteins. So that immune cell starts attacking your own proteins, and that's how you get all these autoimmune diseases which are all, you know, many autoimmune diseases are going up dramatically these days. Yes, that's exactly like correct. We, we have former speakers say that with gluten, it's so similar genetically, depending what part of the gluten 
components you're looking at because it could have many, many components, which the doctors don't measure. But it can be very similar to thyroid, so it's a high incidence exactly. of Hashimoto's. And it can go after the Purkinje balance cells and the cerebellum, so this gluconeotaxia can go after the islet cells in the pancreas, giving an autoimmune diabetes. Uh, yes, this um, several guests in the past have measured how... Um, Taking an undigested protein that gets into the body and having an antibody response leads to all sorts of autoimmune diseases, which takes us down the pathway to every chronic disease imaginable. Right. I also I mean, so understand. I, I mean, not only does glyphosate open the gut barrier, leaking, leading to a permeable gut, so all these undigested proteins go in the body, and we get these antibodies, we get this huge autoimmune response. But even more frightening is it opens up the blood-brain barrier, and it carries in and hides such things as aluminum, which it you know just goes right into the brain because glyphosate has opened the blood-brain barrier. It goes right into the pineal gland, which makes makes our melatonin and helps us sleep. And isn't it, didn't you discover like it affects a, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, shikamate pathway so that we don't yes. get important amino acids like tryptophan, etc.? Exactly. Tryptophan, tyrosine, and phenylalanine are all derived from this uh, shikimate pathway. And Monsanto proudly says that glyphosate disrupts the shikimate pathway in the plants and ha, 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 humans don't have that pathway, so good luck. You know, we're fine. It doesn't hurt us. What they overlooked is our microbes do have that pathway, and they use it to make those amino acids, and our body can't make them because we don't have the pathway. So we would depend on our microbes to supply us with those nutrients. And so when they become deficient, they are precursors to a huge number of incredibly important mo- molecules in our body, including all the neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin, melatonin, melanin, the skin tanning agent, thyroid hormone, various B vitamins. All of these things come from that pathway. Wow. Now, I also understand that 99% of our DNA is in our gut, so what happens in our gut is hugely important and going to affect every health condition possible. Has the DNA changed in our body at all from glyphosate? Well, what glyphosate does is it, it, what I believe it does, and this is still a research topic, we haven't proven it, but the evidence, in my opinion, is overwhelming that it's true, and this is really, really crucial, and it's why I think we haven't really... It's taken so long to realize how toxic it is because one of the really important things that glyphosate does, in my opinion, is that it gets into proteins by mistake in place of glycine. And glyphosate, in fact, is a glycine molecule. It has a complete glycine molecule in it, except that it has some extra stuff attached to the nitrogen atom in the glycine molecule. So it's what's called a non-coding amino acid. And there are actually several different examples of toxins that are produced by various organisms that have this policy of being a non-coding amino acid analog of a coding amino acid. And then what they do is they get into the proteins. When The protein synthesis process is sloppy, and so it mistakes glyphosate for glycine and puts it into the protein by mistake. And if you assume this is happening, then you have a huge list of, of potential problems that you can see with... Um, sorry, I've got some noise. Can you hear that noise in the background? <laughs> No, can you hear my dog chewing newspapers? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back into the quiet room here. Um, it has a, a huge list of proteins that have absolutely essential glycines within them. And if those glycines get replaced by glyphosate, then those proteins won't work. It's really quite remarkable. And I can give you a simple example, which is chronic fatigue syndrome. And there's a pr- protein in muscles called myosin, really, really important for muscle movement. 
And it's really fascinating. I found a paper that talked about a specific glycine. I think it was a position, 699 in the myosin molecule. If that, molecule, if that glycine is replaced by alanine, which is almost the same as glycine, it just has an extra methyl group, it, that is devastating to that protein. All of a sudden, it's down to only 1% capacity in terms of its ability to make the muscle move. And furthermore, it gets in the way. It's like having a bunch of crippled people. That, you know, It gets in the way of all the other myosin molecules. So having a few of your molecules that are broken is going to have a big impact on the muscle's ability to move, and that's going to give you chronic fatigue syndrome, I suspect. And so... Um, you know, just, if, for example, there's a protein that is an enzyme that breaks down gluten. It has a specific um, role of breaking down proline. Proline happens to be a particularly troublesome amino acid that's difficult to break apart from the amino acid chain. So they have specialized enzymes that break the prolines. And that proline-breaking enzyme has three different regions that have absolutely essential glycines in them. So, you know, I, what, we, what I've done is gone through the research literature looking for specific proteins that have specific glycines that are essential. Because you could have a glycine and a protein wouldn't really that much matter if you replaced it with something else. But the ones that are absolutely essential, that's where the action is going to be. And I've written a paper together with some colleagues on ALS, and it's just absolutely amazing how many proteins they've found that are linked to ALS by virtue of their glycines. Their glycines are causing trouble in association with ALS. And I think it's not glycine, it's glyphosate that's causing the trouble. ALS for our ALS. listeners is Lou Gehrig's disease, which is extremely crippling, extremely quickly. And most people, about 90 plus percent, have not found a way to reverse it. I've seen people die within a couple of years of the diagnosis, and it's a very ugly death. Right. So um, uh, what proteins, what pathways, how is this going to show up, or is it just going to show up everywhere, the great mimicry like syphilis that everybody's getting sick and we, and it can just show up anywhere and everywhere? That's absolutely right. It shows up anywhere and everywhere, and that's why we have all these different diseases that are going up exactly in step with glyphosate. I mean, the evidence is absolutely overwhelming in my opinion, and I've gone through, um, I've worked with some other people like Nancy, Nancy uh, Swanson was the first one who dug into the... Uh, U.S. data on diseases and looking at diseases going up. And I'll tell you, Alzheimer's is a disease that's going up dramatically in this country right now. Of course, autism is the one I've been most interested in. That's going up exponentially. Autism and Alzheimer's are basically going up at the same rate. I think they're basically the same disease, manifested differently in different age groups. And they're both caused by glyphosate. And it's just really scary to think about the future because each of them is getting to big numbers now. And once it gets to big numbers, exponential growth totally gets out of hand. So we are going to see a tremendous amount of increase in major debilitating diseases in the near future that's going to cripple this country's you know, medical system. And we're already struggling with how do we pay for all these medical bills. Our country has by far the most expensive medical system in the world, and we're not getting returns on that. We have poor... Um, all-cause mortality. You know, we have low uh, life expectancy. We have extremely high death rates on the first day of life. You know, we're not doing well by all measures, and we are spending enormous amounts of money. We're taking most of the drugs. We take 80% of the um, of the opioid drugs in this country. We're all, you know, so many people are dying from op- opioid drug overdose. They're in agony. They're in pain. This is because of collagen, I think. That one of the reasons is collagen. Collagen is a pervasive, it's the most common molecule in the body. It's something like 25% of the proteins, the most common protein in the body. 25% of the proteins in the body are collagen molecules. And collagen is in your skin, it's in your joints, it's in your bones. You know, it's basically the glue of your body. Collagen has tons of glycine. It has like 25% of the, of the amino acids in collagen are glycines. 
So it has a tremendous opportunity for glyphosate substitution. And so we have all these hip replacement therapy and, you know, hip replacement, knee, knee joint surgery and all kinds of foot problems, uh, shoulder problems, you know, all these aches and pains, back problems is a huge one. All of them are connected to glyphosate getting into the collagen, I think, and other molecules, actually, that also have a lot of glycine that are in those areas as well are getting attacked. So we're getting, you know, autoimmune disease attacking the collagen because it's, it's got this glyphosate in it. And, and, this is, uh, and of course, the collagen's not forming the proper crystal either, so it doesn't have the proper tensile strength or the elasticity that it should have because it's being messed up by the presence of this glyphosate in the molecule. This is what we think is happening. Wow. I know in autism it used to be, you know, decades ago, one out of 2,500 and keeps increasing so quickly to about one out of 46 and in Korea, one out of 38. The rate is much, much higher. And I think you predicted by 2020 or 2030, it'll be one out of two of our kids. 2032. Very alarming. Yeah, 2032, just, just extending the curve that the CDC has put together. 2032, one out of two, 80% of the boys born in that year will be predicted to get uh, to be diagnosed later with autism at some point. That wow. is really a scary number. This is if it continues exponentially. Now, at some point, it won't continue exponentially because exponential growth is going to have to die off once it starts approaching 100%. So that probably is an overgenerous prediction, but still, it is so terrifying to think about, even if it's 2042 or 2050, that we end up with 80% of the boys. It's not tenable. Wow. And it's such an awful disease. I've looked into it quite a bit, and it's so many different components and so many different things going wrong in the brain and uh, autoimmune issues, inflammation is rampant, uh, even um, um, mothers have antibodies against the children's brain. So many things are going wrong that it is just tragic. Right, and it's a very, very complex disease, which is, you know, it's, it's frustrating that people haven't been able to figure it out. People can, it's like the elephant, you know, and the blind man, and you just tie different parts and you say, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. Because there are so many things that are screwed up in the autistic child. It's just amazing. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with sulfur. That's why sulfur is my big thing. I focused on sulfur and glyphosate. And they're intimately tied together because glyphosate is a train wreck for sulfate supply and also for methyl groups, methyls and sulfate. And those are really, really crucial for many different functions in the, in the body. And the kids, the autistic kids have been shown to have sulfate deficiency and methylation problems. That's been a, kind of at the core of many, many of the studies on autism. With zero yes, problems. many of the kids have that, yes. And, and the sulfate is just huge. There's an, you know, I found a fascinating article about some mice that had, um, they had designed them. They can do some very interesting experiments with the mice, by the way. It's really fascinating, some of these mouse uh, papers that you find, but this one in particular, they had managed to make these mice be effective in their ability to produce heparin sulfate, specifically in the, um, the ventricles of the brain. You know, the ventricles are sort of house the cerebral spinal fluid, and um, in those ventricles, within those ventricles, they had a deficiency in the ability to produce heparin sulfate, and this gave those mice all the features of mouse autism, just with that one defect. And he- Heparin sulfate deficiency in those ventricles is going to lead to an inability of those precursor cells. These are like stem cells, you know, neural stem cells. They are unable to evolve into neurons if you have insufficient sulfate there. And so that's Uh crucial for the development of the brain. 
I did find one study that uh, uh, Vistar rats who were fed a GMO diet, they found uh, GMO in the brain, blood, and liver of these animals 20, 60, and 90 days after they were fed. So that's quite alarming. What's happening to us? Yes. I know. I mean, the GMOs is another whole story, and I haven't dug into that one anywhere near as much as other people have. And uh, I've just focused on the glyphosate because I think, a, and that's something that the anti-GMO folks are overlooking, in my opinion. They they are not adequately addressing the issue of the GMO enabling the uh, the exposure to glyphosate because the GMO Roundup Ready is a key, uh, one of the key GMOs. And the other one, really the two major GMOs are Roundup Ready and then the BT toxin which is that you give the plant a bacterial gene that produces a toxin. You know, and you don't want that either. You've got a gene that can produce a toxin that you're eating. I mean, that doesn't sound good to me, you know. So I think both of those GMO genes, which are the two major GMOs, are problematic with respect to poisons that they're introducing into the food. So what if they just got got rid of the glyphosate and substitute another insecticide? Would the problem go away? It's an herbicide, but it, yeah, and I'm afraid they're going to do that because they, they've claimed, you know, the reason why glyphosate's good is because you don't have to use all these other ones that are supposed to be more toxic. And I think it is true that they are more acutely toxic than glyphosate. And, you know, things like 2,4-D, which is a component of Agent Orange, or you've got dicamba, glufosinate, which is actually an amino acid analog of glutamate, so that's going to have a similar... It's just going to, you know, substitute for glutamate in in the in the proteins, and I, you know, I'd have to go dig. I've I've looked a little bit at that one, and I think it can account for microcephaly. It might even account for the microcephaly epidemic in Brazil, in northeast Brazil. That they've had all this excitement about Zika, and they're trying to develop a vaccine. I think they're deflecting, you know, the true reason why these kids are getting microcephaly, which could be glufosinate, because they've been switching over to they've got now glufosinate resistant soy. In northeast Brazil, it's not been adopted very many places, but northeast Brazil has this glyphosate-resistant soy, which they introduced because the glyphosate resistance was running out of steam. There were too many uh, weeds that were developing that were resistant to the glyphosate. And, you know, uh, Brazil grows a lot of GMO soy, and it exports it all around the world. And they're using this, uh, you know, glyphosate on the glyphosate-resistant soy, but now they've got glyphosate-resistant soy. So they're starting to get exposed to glufosinate, and I think that may be a major factor in the um, microcephaly epidemic there. For our audience, microcephaly means a small brain. You see these pictures of babies with these distorted brains, and they are attributing it to exposure to the Zika virus. It had us all very concerned. But you're saying that these new insecticides might be contributing to that. Herbicides. Herbicides. I'm sorry. And, of course, Herbicides. insecticides might be contributing to it, too, actually, because they're putting, uh, in, in northeast Brazil, they're putting larvicides um, um, to c- control the mosquitoes because the mosquitoes are supposed to be the source of the Zika virus. Well, it wasn't for Zika originally, but, but the mosquitoes are believed to be the source of the Zika virus. So they were putting um, uh, larvicides into the drinking water in, Brazil, in northeast Brazil, and that's a very nasty thing to do, to have you drink a, a water containing a, a larvicide that's been added. Northeast Brazil it has has so many different herbicides and insecticides and issues going on, and even vaccine issues as well, Getting starting to, to give a lot of pregnant women vaccines that could be causing the autism as well. So they've got so many factors going on there. I've done um, multiple talks on that, on that topic. The Zika you know, all this hype about Zika, and the reason why they want us to believe Zika is causing it is because they've got a handle on how to design a Zika vaccine, which also sounds like a horrendous thing, this vaccine that they're developing for Zika. They're doing some very strange 
technology producing these weird vaccines that I don't trust, you know. Wow. So you're saying even if glyphosate went away, it sounds like uh, whatever they replace it with in terms of herbicides is probably going to cause the same problems. It's just going to take a long time to see the results. And perhaps glyphosate is going to stay in our supplies so long that it will continue to be a problem. I think they need to ban herbicides altogether. I think they need to go back to organic farming, and I would encourage anyone listening to switch to an organic diet. I would highly, highly recommend that. We can do this grassroots. The government is so uh, corrupt that they're just never going to bend on this, it seems like. It's incredible to me that they're willing to just take this country down. But that's what it's looking like. So we have to do it as individuals. We have to vote with our pocketbook, buy organic food, And we'll force the farmers to grow organic by doing that. Already we're having to import so much organic food from elsewhere because our country can't keep up with the the demand. And farmers are going to start, you know, geez, why am I exposing myself to all this toxic stuff when I could just be growing organic food, making more money for my product and staying healthy? What's not to like about that? I would think farmers would start converting back to organic. doesn't the... GMO seed just kind of go to the neighbor's plot because I know and uh, it was in Oregon they had problems in Treasure Valley this this GMO grass escaped into Idaho and they just can't get rid of it because it's resistant to various herbicides etc. Exactly. So that, how, that's I mean, really, how can really you problem. how can you be sure that anything's organic when the stuff is creeping all over and when it does Monsanto comes and demands you pay them, demands you sign a silence agreement that neither you or your children will ever mention this or take Monsanto to court. I mean, so how can we ever be sure that we've got any organic food? Oh, I know. In fact, the organic is testing positive for glyphosate. You know, I said Tony Meacher has been measuring a whole bunch of different, he's got a whole bunch of measurements from the Canadian government um, he's got like, I think it's like 10,000 records, so it's quite a large collection. And he's finding that they're finding uh, or glyphosate in the organics almost as frequently as they're finding it in the non-organic food, but it's at much lower levels, like I think maybe a factor of 10 lower. So glyphosate is everywhere. I mean, it's in the manure. It's in the rain. You can't avoid it. So even though you're not using it to grow your crops, it's not like it's not there. The only way it's going to disappear is if we ban it. We have to stop making it. It's a synthetic molecules. No nobody, no living form would ever make it. If we simply stop, if we shut down the factories that are making glyphosate, eventually it will disappear. That's the only eventually, way Eventually, if we live long enough. I know, and actually it can take years for it to disappear in certain situations. Well, we are coming down to a break now, so uh, we will be back shortly after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, this is Dr. Susan back with Occupy Health talking to Stephanie Saniff was telling us some really alarming things about glyphosate and how it's in all of our food and causing all these problems that we have no conception of. And it sounds like there's no way to get away from it. Um, why aren't scientists coming up with this material? Why isn't the government doing anything? As a matter of fact, the government just, EPA just doubled the allowable amount of glyphosate in our food. So what's going on? I know. Well, I, I don't understand, actually, how the government can be so blind to what's going on, you know, and we're we're struggling so much to pay for all the health care problems that we're seeing, and so many diseases are going up dramatically, even just diabetes and obesity. Both of those, I think, are directly connected to the glyphosate. As soon as, and when you look all around the world, as soon as, as the country starts adopting Western diet, they start getting fat, they start getting diabetes, it's caused by the glyphosate. And if we could just recognize, if the government could just recognize that this is true and then just be ethical and decide that they just want to make it stop, they could totally do it. You know, it just means shutting down those factories. It doesn't sound hard to me. We would have to scramble a bit to figure out how to grow food, but, you know, we have, um, we could put all these people on the farms pulling weeds that are now stuck taking care of Alzheimer's patients. You know, it would be, it would just be a different kind of job and it would probably be a more pleasant one, to be honest with you. You know, all these disabled children, some of them are just so, um, you just can't imagine having to be the mother of a child with some of these children that I've seen in various videos. It's just so heartbreaking. Yes. See how badly those children have been damaged. It just breaks your heart. And yes. to think that that's so unnecessary, if the government would just recognize there's a problem and get rid of it. And it's a very specific problem, you know? And as you say, I mean, if you just switch it to put in another herbicide, it's not going to do the trick. So that's a huge problem to transition to where we need to be. I think we should just go for it. You know, oh, what if is we have connection? to import food for a while because we can't produce enough of our own, then so be it. Because other countries are producing organic food. We can buy it from them. We're a rich country. Spend the money buying organic food from elsewhere instead of spending it on health care. You know, it would be Makes the same money. Sense. That's what exactly what Raymond Francis said, is that we, we're going to go bankrupt unless we get good nutrition and get rid of the toxins. It's a solution to the extremely high American health care costs. Now, is there a connection between glyphosate uh, and autism and vaccines, in your opinion? Absolutely. I'm, I'm very, very concerned about this. And again, we haven't proven it. We have a lot of evidence. And in fact, we've tested, Anthony and I have tested Anthony has tested several vaccines for glyphosate, and he has found contamination in many of them, and particularly in MMR, which is extremely frightening because MMR is the vaccine that was targeted by Anthony, uh, by Andrew Wakefield, who wrote a paper in 1998, published it in The Lancet, 
um, a paper on uh, autism. He had he had twelve patients. It was a case study of twelve patients, and these were all kids who had gut issues. So they had gut dysbiosis. They got an MMR vaccine. They got a bad reaction to the vaccine, and then they dropped down into autism following that. Pretty much that was the pattern. He was seeing a pattern. This was in the UK, and um, I was very excited when I came across that paper because it. Uh, because it connected to the gut dysbiosis, which was something I had been looking at. I'd been studying autism for five years before I figured out the glyphosate connection. And um, I understood that it was a gut problem that was at the source of the, of the autism, but I didn't understand at the time what was causing that gut problem. Glyphosate's actually been patented as an antibacterial agent, so it's basically an antibiotic. And you're eating a, a, a low-dose antibiotic every day in your food when you're eating glyphosate-contaminated food. And um, and it causes this gut dysbiosis. It causes a leaky gut that it turns into a leaky brain. This allows the vaccine access to the brain. But worse than that, the glyphosate is actually in the vaccine. And, you know, probably varying amounts in various samples of the vaccine. So you, it's sort of a Russian roulette when you get a, an MMR vaccine, how much glyphosate is going to be in it and whether that's going to be critical to get what it needs to do is to get the... What I think is happening is that the glyphosate is in the growth medium that the live virus is grown on, and specifically the measles virus uh, in the MMR vaccine, is grown on gelatin. And as I said, uh, collagen is loaded with, with glycine, and, and gelatin is sourced from collagen from cows and pigs that have fed heavy doses of glyphosate in their feed. So the glyphosate gets into the collagen. The collagen is converted into gelatin by breaking it apart. That releases the individual glyphosate molecules, which are then incorporated into the proteins of the microbe that's growing on it. That's the that's the virus. The live measles virus takes the glyphosate, puts it into its own proteins, specifically into its hemagglutinin, which is the protein that is the antigen. So when you get an MMR vaccine, what they're hoping will happen is that you'll get antibodies to hemagglutinin, measles hemagglutinin. That will give you supposedly give you uh, protection against measles if you see it again, because your your immune system will recognize it and deal with it right away. What happens with the autistic kids, and this has been shown in several studies by a group from. Uh, Utah State University, uh, Professor Singh and his collaborators at Utah State have written papers all the way back to the 1990s where they showed that autistic kids have a very high, many autistic kids, not all of them, have a very high uh, level of antibody response to the measles hemagglutinin, and worse than that, they have a response, antibody response in the brain to the measles hemagglutinin. The brain's immune system is kind of separated from the bodies because of this barrier, but the brain barrier is breached when you have the glyphosate exposure. So the measles virus from the MMR vaccine gets into the brain, produces hemagglutinin, contaminated with glyphosate. The immune system of the brain gets upset with that, reacts to it, and then reacts to myelin-basic protein through molecular mimicry. So that is going to cause that child's immune system to attack its myelin sheath surrounding all the nerve fibers, and that's going to be a really big problem in the brain. So this let me is what summar- I think specifically is happening with regard to the MMR vaccine. So let me summarize. The glyphosate in the MMR vaccine opens up the gut, which we know leads to all sorts of health problems. It opens up the blood-brain barrier, so this goes into the brain, starts an autoimmune inflammation issue, which will cause all sorts of havoc. In addition, as we mentioned before, it kind of hides the aluminum and brings that into the brain. That's certainly yes, not does. going to help. And um, it just... It uh, sounds like a disaster. It sounds like these problems weren't as bad before 2002 with the MMR when apparently their main complaints were joint aches, which doesn't seem to be directly connected to the brain. But it seems that it's gotten much worse since 2002. What's going on there? 
Yeah, well, 2002 was just the break point that I chose to look at some data in the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System produced by the FDA. That's a lovely database, and I've been all over it, inside out and upside down, looking at different subsets and comparing them. And so one thing I did was to just take, 2002 was the midpoint from 1990 to the end of the line, which was, like, I think, 2015 or something at the time. And I cut it in half, and so I had the early data and the late data, and I looked at um, counts of various reactions to the vac- to the vaccine in the database. First of all, there were 50% more reactions after 2002, so there were just more complaints, uh, late rather than early. But when you looked at those specific complaints, they tended to be much worse afterwards, and they tended to be things having to do with the brain, uh, even facial swelling and uh, anaphylactic shock and, and um, autism, in fact, and... Um, uh, I'm forgetting what, oh, seizures, I mean, all kinds of things related brain to... Brain swelling, uh, it's Brain, a... you know. And um, so what I think is happening, too, is that there's glutamate. There's glutamate in the MMR vaccine. Glutamate is a neurotoxin. Again, if you've got the leaky brain barrier, and you could have that in advance by, because of having eaten the GMO Roundup Ready feed, you know, and all the glyphosate in your food, you have the leaky brain barrier prior to the vaccine. And then this allows the glutamate in the vaccine to get into the brain. And glyphosate and glutamate will work together to excite NIMDA receptors, which will cause the brain neurons to go on fire. Exactly. So that's another pathway by which problems are going to happen in the brain. Glutamate is very exciting. As you toxic. mentioned, aluminum and mercury, those are not in the MMR vaccine. And I had identified MMR being a problem associated with autism uh, early on before I knew about glyphosate. And I was really puzzled because it didn't have the mercury and the aluminum, which were the two metals I was concerned about. So I couldn't. I, I saw that MMR was connected to autism, but I didn't understand why. And now I think it's because of that glyphosate in the MMR vaccine. But the aluminum-containing vaccines and the mercury-containing vaccines are also problematic, and glyphosate makes them worse too because it binds to metals and it'll carry those metals into the brain, particularly the pineal gland. And I've written a paper about glyphosate uh, being able to escort. Uh, it binds to the aluminum, carries it into the pineal gland, and then unloads it in the acidic environment of the terminal watershed. So the pineal gland becomes exposed to both glyphosate and aluminum, uh, which are both toxic to it, and that's going to mess up your sleep. And, this, and we have an epidemic in sleep disorder that exactly matches the rise in the use of glyphosate on core crops, and sleep disorder is connected also to Alzheimer's and autism and all kinds of other neurological diseases. Yeah, you've also mentioned in the past that uh, glyphosate depletes manganese, which um, makes glutamate all the more toxic and neuroexcited toxic in the brain as well. That's right. In fact, um, autistic kids have been shown through many different measures to have manganese deficiency. Glyphosate is a major chelator of manganese in particular. Manganese and also copper, by the way, and that's also interesting, and I've been looking into that. But the manganese is pretty clear to me. Manganese is essential for certain uh, enzymes, and one of those is an enzyme that converts glutamate to glutamine. And so, uh, and the autistic kids have high, unusually high levels of glutamate. Someone did a paper where they looked at all the different amino acids and their levels in the blood, and they found only two that were statistically significantly way out of whack, and that was glutamate and glutamine. Too much glutamate, too little glutamine in the autistic child's blood, which would also translate into glutamate in the brain, and glutamate in the brain is a neurotoxin. 
I'd like to make some other observations. The HPV virus, the human papilloma virus, I mean, studies have not shown it's effective. And in Colombia recently, over 200 girls were hospitalized after they were va- vaccinated with a vaccine called Gardasil. Also recently in the UK, an injured patient from who received the swine flu received a payout and GlaxoSmithKline, according to a source I found, had a $92 million fund set aside for victims. Joe, something's not right. Right. I, I, I hate Gardasil. It's one of the vaccines I've really been trying to get the message out to not get it. So far, it's not required. Now, there are certain states that have been pushing towards making it required. I think it might have been, there may have been one state, I'm thinking maybe New Jersey, but I better not say that because I'm not sure. I'd have to fact check that. Um, I'm really worried that Gardasil is going to become required. Because right now it's optional, and I tell everybody I know, don't let your daughter get this vaccine. Gardasil is really vicious. I've looked into that one, you know, also looking at it compared to other vaccines that kids are getting, far, far more frequent, uh, extremely scary reactions like seizures, anaphylactic shock, uh, fainting and coma, and, and even um, disruption of the menstrual cycle, you know, and shutting down pre- premature menopause. And even, in fact, the very cancer that it's supposed to protect from, people have gotten that cancer following young people who are extremely rare in young people. And yet people, uh, young people who are getting the Gardasil vaccine are coming up with the very cancer, the cervical cancer that it's supposed to be protecting you from. What it's doing is just knocking out, there's like over 100 different variants of this virus, the HPV virus, that Gardasil is, is, Gardasil hits, originally, the original Gardasil only hit, I think it was four four different strains, the four main strains. And so they got maybe 80% of what was there. But those 20% have a field day once those 40, 80% are cleared. So if you, if you develop antibodies to the, to the main strains, those guys disappear, and now those other strains get a chance to grow. And they might be more toxic. You know, They might have more serious problems than the ones that you've cleared. So they realized there was a problem with force, and now they have a new Gardasil 9, nine different strains, twice the aluminum, and Gardasil already had high levels of a very toxic form of aluminum. The Gardasil 9 has twice the aluminum, nine different strains, and still there's going to be over 90 strains left to, to grow once those nine strains are cleared. So you're not really, even if, it's not even clear that HPV virus actually causes cervical cancer. That's not been proven. And, you know, and so when you just kill off some of the strains and leave other ones behind, you haven't done anything to really the disease, in my opinion. You've just messed things up. A couple of things I've found, reading a little bit, is that Obama had approved the Monsanto Vice President Thomas Vilsack, I might be mispronouncing it, as a senior advisor to the FDA, and a CDC director, Julie Gerberdong, left to head the Merck vaccine program. But interestingly enough, she made the observation, which I believe many other experts agree with, that if you've got a mitochondrial disorder, that the vaccine can cause problems. The experts I've talked to said if you're healthy, then the vaccine probably won't protect you. But if your immune system's compromised, your mitochondrial function isn't working well, then you need the vaccine, but you're most vulnerable to any uh, bad effects. Another interesting thing I found in a letter to President Trump, the American Academy of Pediatrics, Interesting things I found in my studies that Obama had approved the Monsanto Vice President Thomas Vilsack as a senior advisor to the FDA. That's interesting. The CDC director, Julie 
Gerberdong had left um, CDC position to head the Merck Vaccine Division. However, she made what I uh, an observation that I find quite interesting. She had said, if you're predisposed to mitochondrial disorder, that the vaccines can certainly set off damage. Now, this coincides with several other experts that I've spoken to. They say if kids are healthy, the vaccine isn't really going to help them that much. But the children that really need the help, they're the ones that have mitochondrial dysfunction and a poor immunity system, and they're the ones most vulnerable to the bad effects of the vaccines. So that seems particularly problematic. A couple of other things I've noticed is, excuse me, I'm going to cough. <coughs> Please edit that out. Okay, now, a couple of other things I've noticed is the American Academy of Pediatrics in a letter to President Trump. I read, left out 15 vaccine safety uh, commission studies on vaccines. Also, I read that a reporter in WGBH Boston was seen as not a good fit after she had uh, supported certain legislations supporting parents' rights to forego the vaccine. What is going on here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting this point you made about the ones who need the vaccine the most are the ones who can't afford to get it because they're going to have a very acute reaction. And I think that's true. And what this really tells you is that what we need to focus on is to make sure the kids have a healthy immune system. And the way you do that is through good nutrition and keeping away from toxic chemicals. And um, the vaccines, I actually believe that every single vaccine sets your general immune system down a notch because the the vaccines are actually, you know, uh, challenging. They're damaging your your cellular immunity. And then you, you're stuck. They're forcing you to go through this uh, route of... Um, developing antibodies, and that is giving you a risk of autoantibody disease. So the vaccines are, are really part of the problem with regard to our epidemic in, uh, in these um, autoimmune diseases where the immune system is attack- attacking our own tissues. These vaccines are not really the right solution to disease in general. In fact, you know, even if you just, for example, the flu virus, I can give you a good example with I hate the flu vaccine. I've never had one myself. And uh, there was a study done in Hong Kong, a very good study, which was a placebo-controlled study, where they gave half the population the flu vaccine and the other half didn't get it, and they monitored them over the course of the next year to see what, what diseases they got in the way of flu and also looked at syncytial virus, which is a virus that gives you a disease that looks just like the flu, only it's a different virus. And what they found was very surprising is that, first of all, the ones who had the vaccine didn't have a tremendous drop in the in the rate of getting the flu, but they did have a fourfold increase in the rate of getting syncytial virus uh, disease, which was very much like the flu. So you basically, again, it's just like with the Gardasil, where you kill off the most frequent strains of the of the HPV virus, you still have the other ones left to grow. So, And you can't immunize yourself against every single virus on the planet because there are so many of them. Every time you immunize yourself against one, uh, you open up an opportunity for other ones that are not specifically targeted. So it's a stupid way, you know, sort of shotgun one after the other individual viruses. It's a stupid way to control immunity. You just want to strengthen the immune system. And one of the most important ways to strengthen the immune system is to get enough sulfate. And it's really interesting because the immune cells need sulfate in order to be able to execute cellular immunity. The sulfate helps them to, to, to eat those microbes that show up in the blood to clear them by actually consuming them and breaking them down into, into actually reusable parts. So it's really interesting that the virus almost becomes fuel for the cell if the cell is able to clear it. But the uh, vaccines are working towards this other kind of immunity that's not cellular immunity. It's called humoral immunity. 
which is, again, this antibody business. And antibodies is really, I think, a last-ditch choice. Usually the body doesn't want to go there. They don't have to. In fact, what I've heard is that healthy kids are problematic. They don't actually develop a reaction to the, to the vaccine at all in many cases because their system can simply clear the virus without even invoking antibodies. So it doesn't take, actually, if you're too healthy, which is pretty funny. It only works if you're unhealthy, and then it works too well and you get autoimmune disease. So vaccines are just not a good way to control this disease. And every expert in the past has said autoimmune disease starts in the gut. Then we've got to keep our gut healthy so it's not permeable. And that means we have to eat organic foods, not processed foods, and it comes from our diet and lifestyle. It's a repeated right. message that we continually get. Uh, so what do you think about genetically modified um, uh, foods in the absence of glyphosate or any of these other issues? Is there an issue with genetically modified foods? You know, I, I'm not prepared to say. I don't like the idea aesthetically. It just feels wrong to me. And I, and I think that it's not nearly well enough understood exactly what happens to those genes. You know, microbes share a lot of genes. Uh, could they, in fact, be picking up um, the uh, additional genes that are inserted they're inserted in a shotgun way. It's very irregular. I mean, it's all very chaotic, it seems to me. It doesn't feel like something that's secure and well-researched. I think that the people who are actually developing these GMOs don't understand the science themselves. So I think the science is not adequately understood to be able to judge whether it's a problem or not. I think for the ones that are not specifically an herbicide, I mean, a, a resistance to an herbicide or generation of, a, of an insecticide, the ones that are not either of those, which is actually a small percentage of the GMOs, whether they're problematic or not, I'm not prepared to say. I would avoid them. Okay. So um, how can we protect ourselves from glyphosate? And if we have a lot of it in us, which I think we all do, how can we start to get rid of it? Yeah, I mean, that's a very big challenge, and I, re and I really would love to know the answer to that question. I've gotten some hints. I, I, there was a wonderful paper that was done on cows, and the cows had high levels of glyphosate in their urine. They were sick, and they treated them with some interesting things. It was fulvic acid and humic acid from the soil. That's organic matter from the soil. Um, bentonite clay and uh, activated charcoal, and also what's very interesting is sauerkraut juice. And the sauerkraut juice is particularly interesting because it turns out that the microbes that produce sauerkraut, these are, so this is fermentation, right? Uh, a, a lot of them are called, the species called acinetobacter. And acinetobacter is one of the very few microbes that can actually fully metabolize glyphosate down to, to you know, the individual molecules like the, the phosphorus. I mean, it, it completely gets rid of glyphosate because it can break that CP bond, which is only a few microbes are able to do that. Glyphosate has this very tricky CP bond that's hard to break. So um, I think that eating foods that contain acinetobacter is a really good idea. And it's not just sauerkraut juice. I know that apple cider vinegar also contains it. So I recommend apple cider vinegar, and you can use that to make salad dressing and things like that, organic apple cider, like, for example, Bragg's apple cider vinegar. And I think the other fermented foods, like fermented cabbage and, um, you know, um, even possibly things like kefir, I think all of these fermented foods are likely con to contain those microbes that can uh, break down glyphosate. Um, and then um, I think that's about uh, so. So I said eating fermented foods, and of course, then I, what I think you should do is obviously go organic. You know, buy everything organic, 
and eat a lot of fermented foods and also eat foods that are rich in sulfur. I really love garlic. Uh, garlic and onions are good sources of sulfur and also seafood. Seafood is so nutritious and uh, organic eggs is a really good choice. The egg yolk is loaded with nutrition. So you're, you're choosing foods that have a lot of micronutrients because we're, we're depleted in... Hypothate messes up most of the... Um, minerals, the iron, the zinc, the manganese, the cobalt, all of them are messed up by glyphosate. And so um, you can't just take, uh, you know, I take zinc or something because that gets very dangerous. You, you need to have the minerals in the right balance. I recommend bone broth that's cooked with um, organic uh, beef bones, for example, from grass-fed cows. and um, Or you can get an organic chicken and make a bone broth out of that. And uh, the bone broth will then pull the nutrients out of the bones, which is going to give you all those um, uh, minerals in the balanced uh, in balanced levels, you know, so all of the minerals in balanced levels. So you can use, uh, don't use table salt, use sea salt because, again, you'll be able to get all those additional minerals besides the sodium and the chloride. In those the, are wonderful points, Stephanie. We are drawing to a close. So let's see if I can understand the take-home issues here, that the real issues with GMO is the herbicides like glyphosate, which is insidiously in all of our foods and our bodies. It gets into several proteins, uh, interfering with several pathways, and can be quite harmful. And the best thing we can do is a 100% organic diet with some of these recommendations, as you said. Now, on vaccines, we've got to weigh the pros and the cons so we have to look you know there's a public issue we have to look at it from a society and then there's an individual issue I don't know the answer to this but we need to have a balanced approach and I think we need to study the safety of these vaccines that we're giving to our vulnerable children so in closing I oh Stephanie how can people get a hold of you if they wish to oh um <laughs> yeah, well, I have my email address, which is at my website, um, my, and my website has a lot of information on it as well. So that's uh, people.csail.mit.edu slash senef, S-E-N-E-F-F. You can Google my name, Google my last name, senef, and you'll find a lot of materials. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. That's such a wealth of information. And your Facebook page has such a wealth of information, and you've got so many people looking at it. So in closing... Uh, we need to balance the pros and the cons as a public health issues with vaccine, but we need to look at the safety of these for the sake of our children. I don't have the answers, but there are two sides to this. And also, I recommend that you go out and do your own research, study these issues, so you can go help yourself and help others. So be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.